Amen. Well, how y'all doing tonight? Y'all had a good evening? Slept through it. All right. If you got your Bible, turn with me tonight to the Gospel of Luke. Gospel of Luke chapter 17. I want to look at two men that Jesus spoke of in a parable. Were they actually men? We don't know. But Jesus is teaching here. He tells us exactly what he's teaching. I've heard this preached as a, pra- a parable to teach about prayer. But that's not what this parable primarily is if you look at what Jesus said. He's talking about what we were looking at this morning. About trusting that you're righteous. How many of you thinks how we see ourselves affects how we look to God? Do you think that is true? Because you know what? If we look into God, we're always going to see ourselves in need. Amen. But these people, if you look, one was looking at somebody next to him instead of where he should have been looking. If you look with me here, it says in verse 9, And Jesus spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves. Boy, that's dangerous. Amen. (laughs) But not only did they trust in themselves, but they trusted in themselves that they were righteous. And they despised others. And then he tells a story. He says, two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes unto heaven, but beat his breath, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And there's an exclamation point on there. He said, I tell you, this man, Jesus said, went down to his house justified rather than the other. And he says something, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. The book of James and Peter tells us that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And you know, if you look right here, you see two men that went to church. And they both went to church, supposedly, to worship God, to look to God. And if you look right here, do you think that we really came tonight expecting God to be here? Because I don't think we always come to church acting like God is really aware and watching what we do. Because these men came... And you see the one that Jesus said, he said he's teaching this parable to some who trusted themselves that they were righteous. And friends, when you begin to look at yourself thinking you're better than others, you're going to look down at others. He said, and despised others. And he gives a man who we like to pick on in the Bible, the Pharisees, we like to look at them. But the Pharisees were actually pretty much would have made good Baptists. They were very religious. They were committed They went to the church every time the doors opened, Brother Witt. And they did things that we would have all said were commendable. He says, I fast twice a week. Any Baptist been fasting twice a week? So he was a praying man. He said, I give tithes. We all looking for some tithers around here. Amen. He was giving tithes. But you see, the things that he was doing apparently got him to thinking he was more than he really was. Because really we're another We're never more than a sinner in need of grace. (laughs) No matter how good we get, no matter how much we change, we still can only realize 
that all that we have comes from God's mercy and grace to forgive us. And so he gets to thinking higher of himself. That's what pride does. Pride makes you self-righteous. And as he went to church that day, instead of looking to God and seeing God, he got to looking around the church and someone came to church that really didn't always come. That tax collector, I promise you, wasn't a regular attender. <laughs> and he showed up that morning. Now, how many of you be honest that you've been at church and someone came and you said, I can't believe he's here this morning. Now, how many of you ever said that this morning? You know what? When you say that, that can be true. But when that person comes, he has just as much right to come as anybody else. And God loves him the same as anybody else. And he has the same access to God that anybody else had if he comes in the right attitude. You see, the Pharisee was there. He had all the advantages. He knew God. He was a Pharisee. He'd been taught to be a Pharisee the Bible. He was a scholar. He understood truth. He had access to truth. That old tax collector, all he knew was one thing. He didn't know a lot of theology. He didn't know about the Word of God. But he knew one thing. He knew that he didn't deserve to be able to be there with God. And here he is at church, and this guy who thinks he's so great, one of the signs that you might be getting self-righteous is when you look at other people more than you look at God. Because this Pharisee was praying to God, but Jesus said he was praying to himself. Look at what it says in verse 11. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. He's praying thus with himself, and he says, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. You say, well, how do you know he's looking at other men? Because he tells you. He said, I'm glad I'm not an extortioner. I'm glad I'm not unjust. I'm glad I'm not, or I'm glad I'm not like this tax collector in here with us today. He prayed all those things. And yet, the tax collector standing next to him, or, or far off, I mean, he would not so much as even raise his eyes to heaven. He was looking down. And you know, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. He had a beginning knowledge to know that I'm not worthy that I don't deserve to even talk to the Lord. And he bowed his head. He wouldn't even look. He beat his breast. He was in a, a, an attitude of realizing. And he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's all he said. And this is the amazing thing. Jesus said, I tell you that this man went down to his house justified. That means right with God. The other one, he went home, and I wouldn't want to be in his shoes. How about you? You know, we look at this and we could say, well, I'm glad I never done nothing like that. <laughs> but you know, in all honesty, we've all looked at other people and said, I wish they'd be more committed. I wish they'd come more. I wish them young people would give like the old people. I've said it. <laughs> I wish they'd be more able to do this or that. But you know what? Really, what we need to be looking at is God and ourselves, not others. You know, because when we come to church, do you not realize that God is here? That there's not a thing we pray that goes unnoticed. There's not a thing in our heart that he's not aware of. There's not an attitude we display that we're not going to be held accountable for. I want to tell you about another man who went to church one day. And he's in the sixth chapter of Isaiah, if you turn with me. And you know what? If we realized that God is here, and one day we're going to go to the temple, and he is going to be there. Amen? Isaiah went to the temple one day just like these two men. Only one thing was different. That day that he went there to the temple to pray to God, to worship God, God didn't just 
show up, he showed up. Amen. You know, this morning, I think God showed up. Amen. Brother Jeffy said he showed up to him. And you know what? Isaiah showed up one day, and I want you to think about this. We read this and say, well, this was probably a vision. We don't know that for sure. But we do know that it was real enough to Isaiah that Isaiah said, woe is me. <laughs> and I want you to see how God looked. And this is the same God that we had here this morning. It's the same God that we'll go to bed with tonight. It's the same God we'll get up in the morning. But sometimes if we're not careful, we forget that we're not worthy to be in the presence of God. That unless he shows mercy, unless he helps, we're never in a condition to be able to be in the presence of God. And I want you to see what he says in chapter 6 of Isaiah. It says, in the year of King Uzziah died, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. He was probably in the temple, just like those two men went to the temple. And it says, above it stood the seraphim. Now, I don't know exactly what a seraphim is. It's some type of angelic being. But these beings was created specifically to do nothing but worship God at his throne. And look at what they looked like. These right here in itself would scare you, Raymond. Above it stood seraphim. They had one over there a while ago on that pew. Them boys was playing with it. What was that thing? A dragon. It was ugly looking. But listen to what it says about these seraphim. It says, each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. Now if we showed up to church one day and these things was here. Some of you might get right with God. Amen. <laughs> but guys, he went to the temple just like he always went to the temple. But this time God opened the door to the real temple. And gave him a view of what the true throne looked like. And listen to what they were saying. It says, and one cried to the other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And as they were hollering that out over and over and over, that's all they were doing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The earth is filled with his glory. It says, and the post of the door were shaken by the voice of them who cried out. I want you to understand, it wasn't shaken by God. It was shaken by those beings worshiping God. Here we are at church. We might think some of this is too loud. I'll tell you what, we ain't shook the doorpost yet, amen? But you know what? They were singing and hollering and crying out to the point that their voice shook the house. And then the house was filled with smoke. You know, we was joking about that this new sound system, stage show we're getting out here has got everything but the smoke, Amen. Hey, you might say, smoke, that ain't biblical. Hey, it was here, amen. God provided the smoke. <laughs> and they didn't need a smoke machine. I don't know about y'all, but if I went to church, God would have my attention, amen. Now, we all talk about, we need to have a church experience. We need God to show up. We pray for the presence of God. Do we really know what we're saying when we say that? Because if the presence of God really showed up, most of us are not prepared. <laughs> we're not in a condition because if he showed up, I would think that Isaiah was a man of God, would you? He was a priest. He was serving in the temple. He had access to the king. So he was not only a man of God, he was a man of God who had an open door to the king. He was a recognized man of God. And I want you to think about this. The first thing he said when he seen God high and lifted up on that throne he didn't do like that other Pharisee we just read about that went to church. 
Lord, I thank you I'm not like other men. I thank you, Lord, that I fast twice a week. or I pay my tithes. I thank you that I'm not this and I'm not that. No, when Isaiah seen him, he said, woe is me for I'm undone. <laughs> and every one of us, if it wouldn't be for mercy and the grace of God's salvation, we are in the same shape. And in the honesty, if God was to show up today the way we talk about we wish he would show up, some of us might wish we would have stayed home. Because <laughs> I think it would scare us with some of the activities we participate in on a regular basis. Not aware that it's so easy to not be right with God. Listen to what he said. The first thing he recognized, he said, because I'm a man of unclean lips. And look what he says. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. So why did he think he was undone? He said, because my eyes have seen the king of kings, the Lord of lords. The moment he seen him, he didn't jump up and down and run around and celebrate. He hit the floor probably. He prostrated. You know, everywhere you see people encountering God, that's what happens. Moses. Um, think about this. John the apostle, who recognized himself in his gospel as the apostle that Jesus loved. <laughs> That's what he called himself. He knew Jesus in such a way that at the Lord's Supper, the night before his crucifixion, when they ate the supper in the upper room, he sat next to Jesus and he was the one who laid his head on Jesus' breast. He was the one that was close enough to hear Jesus when he said, the one who's going to betray me is the one who's going to dip his bread. When he saw Jesus in his glorified condition, in the day he, that he was in the spirit on the Lord's day on the, in Revelations chapter 1 on the island of Patmos. When he seen the resurrected, ascended, glorified Jesus and he heard Jesus speaking. When he turned, just look at this voice that sounded like many waters. He said, I fell on his face as a dead man. And Jesus, who he knew personally, had to go up to him and say, do not be afraid. Friends, God is a serious thing to enter into. Do you know that on our own merit, we would not last a second in his holy presence? If we had not been conditioned and been saved and been made new in Christ, none of us could stand before the Holy One. But in Jesus, the most vilest sinner can be made right to see God, to stand before God. Sometimes I think we forget about what God did for us. And if you're not careful, you get saved and you start going to church. And you know, you ought to be doing things. You ought to work. I'm not saying I'm a, I'm, we're not supposed to be doing good works. But if you're not careful, God comes into your life. He's the one saves you. He's the one gives you new life. He's the one forgives you and comes into your life and makes his presence made known in your life. And then he starts changing you. And if you're not careful, you start taking credit for his glory. Look at me now. Look how good I am. Look what I do. Look how much better I am than all those other uncommitted people at church. I'm the only one committed. <laughs> Why don't everybody else serve like I serve? But you know what? No matter what we do, no matter how sold out we are, we can never do it without him first making us able to do it. And you know what? When he saw God, he realized, woe is me for I'm undone. And you know what? That's the first step in always understanding 
of getting right with God. He wasn't right with God. He said, I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm in the midst of all these other people with unclean lips. And I've seen the king. Woe is me for I'm undone. That, that tax collector, when he went into the house of God, he didn't know much about God as that Pharisee, but he knew enough about God to know that he was someone to what? To show reverence to, to be in awe of. And he bowed his head. He wouldn't come in. He stayed afar. He beat his breast over his spiritual condition. And he said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's called repentance. That's called humbleness, humility. And he went home, Jesus said, justified. Look what happened when Isaiah said, Lord, woe is me for I'm undone. Then one of the seraphim, look at verse 6, flew to me. The moment he said, woe is me for I'm undone. The woe is me, he showed that humility, that fear, that awe-struck reverence to God. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with his tongs from the altar. That could have been a real altar. They kept a fire burning. He took that live coal. It says, and then he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. Guys, that's the only way any of us can come before God. Our sin must be purged. It must be washed away. We must be made new again and had to touch his lips. That which he recognized as unclean had to be made clean again. And then at the moment that happened, look at the change of his attitude. And then I heard a voice of the Lord. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? You know, in all reality, none of us can be sent. None of us can go for the Lord until the Lord makes us right. And the only one that can do it is him. You know, we look at this and we, we read about this. And it's easy for us this morning to think that sermon was for lost people only. Why would God tell us to preach the gospel? Why would he tell the church that we are to be proclaimers of the gospel when the church is made up of people who's already heard the gospel, received the gospel, and have been saved by the gospel and made right with God through the grace of God by faith in Jesus? Why? Because we constantly need to be reminded you know why? The pride of our humanity loves to take credit for what God has done. In real and reality, the only one of us that can stand tonight before God is because of the one who hung for us before God on the cross. And you know what? The gospel, whether you needed it tonight, you need to hear, you need to be reminded what made me right with God, what saves me, what redeems me. You know what? I've become to the conclusion, Brother Shelby, you can never preach the gospel too much. And you can never hear it too much because the more you preach it, the more you hear it, the more it makes you realize what God did for you. And you know what? Someone on the way out today said, Preacher, if anyone didn't come forward after hearing that, they just didn't want to be saved. I'm saved, washed in the blood, and I wish today I could have got saved again. <laughs> Amen. You know what? We can never be able to hear too much about what God did for us when he died for us on that cross and for his grace and mercy. Don't ever think that you can't forget about his mercy and grace. Righteousness always comes from God. It's never ours. It's always because of what he gave us first. And I don't know about you, but I thank God that we are in a church filled with people who love the Lord.
who are doing things that honor the Lord, but none of it would mean anything if he wasn't here with us. And that's an awesome thing. And tonight, I don't know how to close this, but I want to just share something. Have you ever noticed that when God starts blessing us and God starts moving, that things happen that make things difficult? That it's not always easy. This morning I get here and I hear from Brother Paul that Brother Wayne, his cancer has come back. And I talked to Brother Paul. I talked to someone else and not at liberty to say, but they were going through a trial and they were struggling. Someone hurting. Someone that was going through something that they definitely need the Lord to help them with. And then I know that we all have been brokenhearted over Brother Jimmy and Miss Nita and the situation going on with Brother Steve Graham. And we don't have an answer. Why does God let things happen like this? But you know, in reality, none of us is ever so good that bad things don't happen. Because just like none of us is really righteous, none of us is really good. Bad things happen because this is a bad world we live in filled with sinfulness. And until we leave this world and go to that world that he created for us in heaven, there's things to struggle with. Today, we go home. We were celebrating. We were talking about how good Sunday was. And, you know, and I was sharing with Diane about someone that I was talking to that's in a place where they're seeking God's will and they're in a struggle. And I said, you know, it doesn't seem fair. It doesn't make sense that as God begins to bless you see others struggling and you want to help them. And you're wondering in the midst of all the good stuff he's doing, why does he allow all that struggling? And as we're talking about that, all of a sudden, Jeremy calls and says, Mama, I called to tell you that Nick is not doing good. Nick was scheduled to start revival tomorrow night. Jeremy and him's church had homecoming this morning. Nick was coming down this evening after their church this morning. And he was going to spend the night and they was going to start revival Monday through Friday. And he has been tired since they got back from um, Hawaii. And we just was thinking, well, it's because he overdid it in Hawaii. But today, as he called the doctor and talked to him, and the doctor said, you need to come tomorrow. And I know he must not be feeling well because he called and canceled that revival that he was supposed to start tomorrow. And you know what? I was just sitting there thinking I took a drive in my truck that none of us is immune to the things that sin has caused in this life. It's not God's will that Brother Nick would have leukemia. It's not God's will that Brother Wayne would have his cancer or Brother Steve. But this world has been cursed because of sin. But in the midst of that, God didn't leave us God came and saved us. And you know what? Ultimately, what happens in the end, we're all going to die. But if you got Jesus, we all have already won. We're already victors. And you know what? Paul said this, and I'm going to pray, and I, whatever God needs to do is we have an invitation. Paul said, and I was sharing this with Brother Jimmy this morning. He said, through much, we must enter heaven through much tribulation. Through much tribulation, we must enter into heaven. Friends, it's a long ways between now and when we get to go to heaven. Amen. 
None of us knows what we're going to face. But I can tell you one thing. None of us will have to face it alone because Jesus is with us. Amen. Well, tonight, I don't know what you would want to do with that. Maybe you want to come pray. Maybe there might be somebody in here you want to pray with. But I'm going to ask you all to pray for Brother Nick. I'm going to even ask you if you feel led to come to the altar and pray for him. Pray for Brother Steve. As a matter of fact, if you want to, let's just all pray together for Brother Wayne, for Brother Steve, and there's others probably who have things they're going through. How many of you right now in the holiday, what a wonderful time it is, knows there's some things that makes it difficult? Well, we need to come to the Lord. And when someone comes to an altar, we shouldn't wonder what's going on in their life. We should be thanking God that they're willing to come to that altar. And so we're going to sing and pray. I'm going to kneel and pray myself for a little while. If you want to pray, I invite you to. But you know what? We need to get to the place we don't hide our burdens. We don't keep them. We give them away. We share them. If you're going through something, here's an altar tonight that you could pray at. If you want to pray where you're at. But I'm just inviting you. None of us is too righteous to not need God. We all need him. So if you need him tonight, you're at the right place. Let's pray.